0: say hello to everyone in this room and those of you joining us online. So glad that you're here today. When I was a kid, that verse that Tim just read that we often refer to as the Great Commission, in my mind, that was kind of like the verse for missionaries. My church growing up had a lot of people who you know, just through the years of that church would sell their homes and their, all their possessions and, and move far away overseas to serve God in, a, in another country as a missionary. And so in my mind growing up, I think I kind of thought about that verse, the Great Commission, sort of like the verse for the missionaries, if you will. But just for this morning, I'm wondering if we together can consider these words of Jesus for ourselves, for you, for me, right here, right now, with these very people in this very place at this very time in history, that this is your place where you are called and where I am called to this same mission. In many ways, in this passage that Tim just read, our passage for this morning, Jesus was saying, here is how I want you to engage your culture. Whatever culture that may be, like if that's in Africa or Asia or Denver, Colorado, go to the nations. Go to the people. Love them, Jesus is saying, as I have loved you. Baptize in my name, teach my ways, spread my love. Jesus is saying, like, if you are going to follow in my way, I want you to go to the people, to the nations, spread my love. Now, nations, if we just think about that broadly, nations are made up of people. And Jesus is saying, I want you to go and to love there. When you get there, I want you to make disciples. And disciples are people who are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and who are taught to obey everything that jesus said that's what a disciple is and jesus is saying to his followers like whatever you thought your life was about all this time whatever you thought your life was about here is what it is actually about if you're a follower of me like this is not just for the pastors priests and spiritual guides this is my great commission for everyone who claims to be a follower of mine. So together this morning, let's just say these words together out loud. Would you join me? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. So many of my conversations these days it seems are sort of around this idea of how do we live faithfully as followers of Jesus in a post-Christian culture? Where should I send my kids to school? How should I engage in this or that social conversation? Certainly, how should I engage in the the crazy political process of our nation? There's so many conversations around this umbrella of how do I live faithfully? How do I take the Great Commission seriously in an increasingly post-Christian culture? What does that look like? How do I do that? And I wonder if together this morning you and I could just like imagine ourselves with those questions going up on that mountain with Jesus and His eleven disciples, going on that mountaintop with Jesus, and engage thinking about how do we engage our culture from the perspective that Jesus gave in the Great Commission. I read uh, recently this great little book uh, by Sky Jathani. Do you remember last fall we did the, the book the churchwide book, uh, group discussion? with a book by Sky Jathani, he's written many books. One of them is called The Voting Booth. It's a very short little book. It is written like a play, like in Act 1, Act 2, Act 3, very short. But the conversation he is having has really stuck with me from that book. And I kind of want to share it with you, but you really should just read the book because he says it better than I'll ever say it. But um, he paints this picture of how do followers of God in the way of Jesus engage culture? How do we love in the spirit of the Great Commission, like Jesus said, to go to people, to spread God's love, to, to live as Jesus would want us to live in this world, in this culture. And uh, so he, he basically, in the book, starts out, and there is a man named Christian. And Christian is, it's, voter, it's voting day. And Christian is very conflicted, like, I don't know who to vote for I'm not sure what to do. Like, this is uh, very overwhelming. And, and so he goes into the voting booth. And when he steps in, in this little book, um, he says, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to live faithfully, God. I don't know what it means to follow you in my culture at this time. And suddenly, he's, like, transported out of the voting booth and onto a stage. And on the stage, there are three chairs. One of them is kind of like a cushy recliner, One of them is a very old, sturdy, standard, been around for a while chair, and one of them is like an executive chair. It's like an office chair. It's like the chair that you would see walking into like a president's office or a CEO's office or something like that. And so in this story, he's transported to the stage, and the two, there are three people sitting in the chairs, and um, Christian is like, you know, where where am I? And the the person in this chair and the person in that chair are fighting, they're bantering, they're back and forth, and and the person in this chair, in the center, in the the old chair, the sturdy chair, the the chair that's been around for a while, is just silent. And uh, Christian says to the person in the first chair, who are you? And the person says to Christian, my name is Exodus, and I am here to tell you how to engage in your culture, like how to live out the Great Commission, how to love the world and the nations like Jesus commanded you to love. And Exodus says, here is my path. Here's what I want you to do. This culture, Christian, the first thing you need to know is that this culture is dangerous. This culture is dangerous, and you need to separate yourself from it. You don't want the toxins of this culture to infiltrate you. So you need to separate yourself from it. Remember that story of of Israel leaving Egypt? Exodus says, draw from that story. Create within your culture a subculture where you can live. Create there a subculture that you can draw others from your culture into. Create your own schools, create your own music, create your own businesses. Fund those things, fund those places. You're never going to get the toxicity out of your culture, so what you need to do is remove yourself from it. So this is Exodus. And then from way over on the other side, Christian hears someone else say, oh, do not listen to him. He does not know what he is talking about. Listen to me. My name is Exile, and I am here to tell you that, uh, yes, this culture is dangerous. On that we agree. But the solution is not to escape it. The solution is not to separate yourself from it. The solution is to get in there and fight it. Our Christian values are under attack, and we need to go and restore them, bring them back. Remember that story in the Old Testament where the Israelites are taken into exile, exile in Babylon? And when they're there, there's some different characters who arise, like Daniel. And, of course, Daniel is keeping himself pure, but he also is becoming an advisor to the kings and to the rulers. And through those relationships, he is influencing things for the better for the people of God. So don't take the path of Exodus, Christian. Take the path of exile, Where you live in this culture and you fight the bad that you see. The things that are not of God. You fight them. You engage them. You try to remove them. You vote for the Daniels in your government. You try to get yourself in a position of power and influence to change these things. So this is the path of exile. And then... Christian says, well, hey, I I haven't heard from you here in the middle chair. You've been silent this whole time as these two have been debating their paths and trying to convince me, who are you? And uh, the person in the middle chair says, my name is Incarnation, and Christian, why don't you come have a seat in this chair, in this path? Notice that the path of Exodus was a recliner because in engaging culture, in attempting to live out the Great Commission in the world, in the actual nations to which Jesus is saying go, the solution Exodus has come to is one of prioritizing comfort. This is uncomfortable to live in a culture that I don't always agree with and so to remain comfortable i will separate myself and this person incarnation says you know exile has made for you a path that is is also rooted in fear but whose posture is one of let us take control by fighting by Attempting to change things. It shouldn't be this way. Incarnation says, my path is different than these two. My path is different. My chair is simple, sturdy, and strong. It's a seat to endure through the centuries. The path of incarnation would say, unlike these two that began in Christian, you are in fear. My path, incarnation says, is a path that says, no, 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 no. you Christian, you are perfectly safe. You're perfectly safe. That's the first thing. You're perfectly safe. Now, your culture is not perfectly safe, but you are perfectly safe. How can we say that? How can we say that you're perfectly safe? Clearly, there are all sorts of threats around us all the time. How can you say I'm perfectly safe? Well, you're perfectly safe in God. You're perfectly safe in the triune love of God. Remember when Paul said, neither height nor depth nor anything in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord? First thing about the path of incarnation is that you are perfectly safe. So when you engage your culture, when you go, as Jesus says, go to all the nations, go to your nation, go to your culture. Here's the thing with incarnation, fear is not the driver. Fear of culture is not, the dri- it's not driving the car of this path. It is actually love that is driving the car of this, of this path. And, and in the story, I love how um, on the stage he paints it where as soon as incarnation starts speaking, exile and exodus just like fall away into the background. They're just gone because perfect love casts out all fear. So the path of incarnation says, I'm not driven by a fear that my culture is going to, you know, mess me up. And I'm not driven by a fear of, I got to change all the things that are wrong. I am driven by love. It begins in love. The way of Jesus incarnationally was a a path of love. So first thing is, you're perfectly safe. The, The second thing is, with the path of incarnation, this path is a choice. It's not a reaction to an unwanted circumstance. When Jesus came to earth, and we say the incarnation, he left heaven and he came to earth to live among sinners, that was a choice that he made in love to come. He didn't come out of fear. He didn't come because of unwanted circumstances that he was afraid of. He came and left heaven and came to earth and lived among humanity in love. So this path of incarnation that Jesus invites us to live on is a choice. It's it's not a reaction to unwanted circumstances in the world. The other thing is that this path requires, and this is where it gets hard, right? This path requires self-sacrifice. It requires you, Christian, to sacrifice your own interests for the benefits of others, even if those others would rather do you harm. It's the Eucharist way. It is to be taken like Jesus, like the bread, to be taken and blessed and broken and given for the healing of the world. This is the way of Jesus. It's the way of the Eucharist. It's the incarnational way. As followers of Christ, when we engage culture, when we go to the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded, We're not in it to win it. We're in it to love. It's a very different posture. It begins in, you are perfectly safe. No fear. Love is cast out all fear. It requires you to choose to come. It's not just like a reaction to an unwanted circumstance. It's a path that requires sacrifice of your own interests for the benefit of others, even if those others would rather do you harm. And and also this path of incarnation, it is focused on flourishing, not just survival. So incarnation says, dear Christian, exodus and exile, the first thing they said is be afraid. Be afraid of your culture. And then what they did is they offered you an illusion of control. Be afraid of your culture and the way you can control that fear. Because, you know, humanity, like, when we're afraid, we usually, what do we do? Fight or flight. That is what's happening here. Right? That's the temptation. When fear sets the stage, when fear is driving the car, and you read go to all the nations, if fear is driving the car, then Exodus is going to say, prioritize comfort. Stay in control by separating yourself. By creating a subculture. Don't let any of those toxins in. Exile also. Afraid. There's an enemy. The enemy is trying to take out our Christian values. We got to fight. We got to, you know, return things to, to how they once were in the good old days. But, but the way of incarnation is, is it's, a, it's a different path. It's a different path altogether. Incarnation says despite what you might feel, You're perfectly safe, Christian. I didn't say your culture is safe. I said you're safe. Your culture can ultimately do you no harm because you're a child of God. You're redeemed by Christ. You're seated with God in heaven. This is what Paul said. Let's just look at these words again together. Neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers. It's just like you feel the momentum building. Nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor heights nor depths nor... Anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You are perfectly safe in God. That's where it begins. And that perfect love is casting out all that fear. It's not driving the car. So these other paths of exodus and exile, certainly there's wisdom in those stories but we're followers of God in the way of Jesus. We're living this side of the resurrection. Death couldn't hold him down. So we're living in that spirit of confidence. We're looking forward to that day, that day when everything is redeemed and the seeds of that redemption have already started now. Like in the time of Exodus, it was right to be afraid. In the time of exile, those stories in the Old Testament, it was a different, there's certainly wisdom there. It's not like we're throwing those stories under the bus. But we are followers of God in the way of Jesus who are invited to go and to go in the the spirit of the incarnation. The path, in a sense, of incarnation is to say that Jesus embraced the way of incarnation and love because he wanted to come and dwell among his people. He chose, Jesus chose, to leave the glory of heaven He wasn't fearfully responding to some unforeseen or unfortunate circumstance. And like Jesus, if we're to walk in his way, in his path of love, we too will choose our culture. Now, what does that mean? Like, to choose your culture. Maybe we could imagine for a minute that, like, the culture to which Jesus is saying, go ye into all the world Baptizing them in the name of Father, Son, that whole that whole Great Commission. When we're going, we are choosing our culture. What does that mean? Almost like Sky says this thing about like, almost like your child. You didn't choose your child, but you choose your child. So it's an imperfect metaphor. But think about it that way. You didn't choose your child, but you choose your child. Your child has characteristics. Some of them you love. Some of them you're like, hmm, that's a little rough. But, you know, Exodus would say, like, when it comes to the, that's a little rough part of your child, um, just separate yourself from them. Get away from them. Leave them to their own vices. A loving parent does not do that. Exile would say, when faced with some things about their child <laughs> um, that are undesirable, exile would say, I am going to focus on those undesirables. In fact, I am going to f- heap so much shame upon those undesirables that they're like almost like the environment is so full of shame that they're, that, where do you go from that, right? It's just like, I'm going to fight to change these things, and my entire focus is going to be to change these things about. Okay, the path of incarnation would say if we're looking at our culture, the nations, and we're going, and we're going incarnationally, and we're going like Jesus went when he came, and we're going like a parent with a child, then we're saying, I choose you, my culture. I didn't choose you, but I choose you. I choose to love you unconditionally. I choose to love you for your flourishing." I choose to keep showing up for you despite the things about you that are hard for me or that I don't see eye to eye with, but I'm committed to you. I love you fiercely like my child. I'm not giving up on you, right? That's an incarnational spirit of engagement with culture. It's a spirit of love. It's a a spirit of unconditional love. It's like... There's a third way to engage with culture. You can embrace and love her even though you did not select her. You don't have to go move and find another culture. And if you do, you'll have to learn to live incarnationally there. If God calls you, go to another culture, and he may. The same principles apply there. Sometimes what I've you know, noticed with the sort of like, ah, things are getting too crazy, I'm going to pick up and move. Sometimes, you know, God really does move and call people, but sometimes it's like trading the devil you know for the devil you don't know. <laughs> you know, people get over there and they're like, oh, the grass wasn't actually greener on the other uh, side because the grass is greener where we water it, right? It's where we show up. It's where we keep showing up, even when it's hard. It doesn't mean you turn a bl- uh, blind eye to her faults, your child's, or your culture's, but it does mean you commit yourself unconditionally to her. You communicate your unwavering love for her. You seek her flourishing. The path of incarnation is not calling you to endorse your culture. It's calling you to embrace your culture. Rather than just seeing your culture as this undesirable circumstance... We learn over time, as followers of God in the way of Jesus who take the Great Commission seriously, we learn over time to choose this. This is the place. These are the people. This is the time in history to which you and I are assigned. We're assigned here. This is our assignment, this is our place. And so that is the way in which we break the grip of fear and begin to love like Jesus. You can choose your culture in the sense that you choose to accept this time and this place in this world as where God has assigned you for a reason. God has assigned you to this time, to this place for a reason. The way of incarnation is to sacrifice my interests for the benefit of others, even if those others would rather do me harm. That's a tough one. Sounds like the way of Jesus, though, doesn't it? It's the way of Jesus. It's the way he lived and desires to live through us. Exodus and exile are committed to survival for themselves. But the path of incarnation is committed to flourishing. It's about everyone and everything reaching their full God-given potential. This way it's, is not about looking back to the Garden of Eden. It's about looking forward to the celestial city. I was thinking about um, John Bunyan, Paul, B- no, Paul Bunyan's the ax guy. John Bunyan, John Bunyan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I was thinking about his image, you know, in Pilgrim's Progress, right? He's moving towards... The celestial city. That's us, right? We're pilgrims on a path. And there's these side paths we get off on, you know, right? I mean, I've felt Exodus. I've felt Exodus. I mean, right? It's like keep coming back to the path. Keep coming back to What's the path? It's the way of Jesus. It's the way of incarnational love. That's the path we're invited on. Okay, so at the end of Sky's book, real quick, um, he goes through kind of these different values, and he says it like this. He says, "Um, in the path of Exodus... That path believes you are in danger in your culture, right? Separate yourself, you're in danger. Uh, the path of exile believes in your culture you're under attack. The path of incarnation, perfectly safe. Next one. In the path of exodus and exile, you're fueled by fear, but in the path of incarnation, you're fueled by love. In the next one, The path of exodus sees the culture as an undesirable circumstance, and so does exile. But incarnation sees the culture as the place, this is the place, God has called you to choose. In the path of um, exodus and exile, you're motivated by self-interest, but in the path of incarnation, you're you're motivated by self-sacrifice, right? By the way of Jesus laid down his life for, for us, for humanity. And then control. <laughs> with Exodus, control is achieved by fleeing the culture. That's the solution. With exile, control is achieved by fighting the culture. But with incarnation, it's like that whole thing is an illusion. The fear is an illusion because you're perfectly safe. The control is an illusion. We never had it. And we're never going to. The whole thing of we can control this is an illusion in the path of incarnation. It provides a false sense of safety. So then Exodus. um, The focus with Exodus is how bad things are. Things are so bad, we got to create these separate enclave, get my family, get my people away from the culture. With exile, the focus is upon, oh, the good old days. How good things used to be we got to fight to get back to that. And then in the path of incarnation, the focus is on how God is presently at work redeeming all things. That's the focus. That's the focus. That's where the attention, best attention goes. And then the next one is exodus and exile require a devil or a demon or an enemy. And in both cases, there's a lot of emphasis on defining who that enemy is, how that enemy thinks, what that enemy's agenda is. There's a devil, there's an enemy, someone out to get you. But path of incarnation requires God. Cannot be walked without God's presence and God's power. That's what it requires. The goal with exodus and exile is survival. The goal with incarnation is flourishing When it comes to non-Christians in your culture, people who don't follow God in the way of Jesus, uh, the path of Exodus would say, uh, these are oppressors to be avoided. Stay away. Exile would say, non-Christians are enemies to be defeated. Incarnation, that path would say, non-Christians are neighbors to be embraced. And then when it comes to anger, and we probably could do a whole, like, series on this one, right? Such a big, um, it's like a, seems like people think it's like the fruit of the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, anger. Like, if you're not angry, you're not really showing up in the world. But with Exodus and exile, you know, with Exodus, anger is acceptable, but, you know, you've kind of pulled yourself away. So you'd be angry, but you're kind of focused on building your own subculture. Um, With exile, anger is encouraged. Like, if you are not mad about the right things at the right time in the right way, you don't really care with exile. Um, With incarnation, anger is unnecessary, and here's why. Because, yes, there is a righteous anger, but a righteous anger, God's anger, righteous anger, is totally pure. Pure. And I don't know about you, but my anger is rarely totally pure. (laughs) I don't think I don't even, right? Have you ever had totally pure anger? So most of the time, it's just unnecessary. Eagle Lake counselors, thank you for being here because you are walking the path of incarnation this week. You've come to this place to love the kids in this community, to be the very hands and feet of Jesus here, and we thank you. And there might be some times this week, because, you know, two of my kids are going to be in camp, so um, (laughs) there might be some times this week where you're like, why did I sign up for this summer gig? This is hard. I kind of want to quit. I don't want to do this. And I want to leave you and all of us with that final line from Jesus' words in the Great Commission where he says, and remember, I am with you always, to the very end of the age, we don't walk this path alone. God is with you. God will strengthen you. And God has given us one another as we walk this. So may you choose the path of incarnational love right where you are in this place with these people at this time in history as your assignment and may the grace of God the Father and the blood of God the Son cover you and go before you and may just the power of God the Spirit fill you and strengthen you as you walk this way of love let's pray Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We thank you that in you we are safe and we belong and there is no fear of rejection. Would you root us there? Give us roots that grow deep right there so that we might turn around to love those among whom you've placed us at this time in history with the same sort of love, the same quality, the same character, the same tendencies that you have towards us, that is of kindness and grace and mercy and unending love. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.